Welcome back to the Changemaker Podcast. I'm your host, Deke Copenhaver. Today, my guests are my friends, Deb Cake Fortin and John Gregory Vincent. They are the co-authors of the bestseller, Diversity and Inclusion, The Submarine Way. Um, They're also the co-authors of Periscope, Putting Traditional Leadership in the Crosshairs, and the hosts of Surfacing Inclusive Leadership, a podcast that has now had over 100,000 downloads. So, And there's so much more to unpack here. We've had the opportunity to work together. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome John and Deb. Welcome to the Changemaker Podcast, hosted by Deke Copenhaver. Deke is the author of The Changemaker, a Forbes publishing book that has reached number one on Amazon on multiple occasions and in multiple categories like management skills and total quality management. During this podcast, Deke interviews exceptional change-making leaders. Deke currently operates Copenhaver Consulting, where he helps local governments and other public organizations maximize their potential. He's also a sought-after public speaker. We hope that the changemaker has an impact on you today and that you find takeaways that make you a better leader in your life. Now, here's Deke. Good, Good to morning. be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, happy to have you here. And I, I've been trying to get you guys on this podcast because <laughs> just for our listeners, it's we've had the opportunity to work together. We're basically our core values are the same to approach leadership through diversity and inclusion, which I think is very important. It always was, but it was it's more important today than it ever has been. But but just for the listeners and I'll go ladies first. Deb, if you could tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to this point with what your your entrepreneurial endeavor now. Sure. So I started out in corporate America, um, working my way up in the traditional sense. But um, in the background, I was always involved with diversity and inclusion programs. So uh, either organizations or companies that didn't have programs, I would start them. I would evolve them. I would create the... Um, sort of create the change through diversity and inclusion that I wanted to see in the work environment. And I started to um, then write for a magazine, and I, I volunteered, wrote articles for, for a magazine, and really got more and more involved in it. When I left corporate America, I wrote the book, and at that point, um, we actually received a lot of attention from companies saying, you know, what are you doing to... Um, sort of further this effort of diversity and inclusion in the workplace and decided to launch a a company. So the Submarine Way is our company, and it started really from the popularity of the book. When I left corporate America, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do after the book, Um, but it's been terrific, just been super, super exciting. You know, it's interesting, and I, I was talking to a young lady over the weekend that just graduated from the University of Georgia. So she had an internship and she was like, okay, well, I've got two weeks at home in Asheville, and then i got to go back to corporate America. And it really struck me at that point. I mean, I was in corporate, the corporate world a long time ago, but it's a little scary to take entrepreneurial endeavor, efforts or endeavors, but it, the payoff is great. And just, golly, the corporate world is so restricting. But, John, for our listeners, tell them a little bit about your background, and I know that involves part of the corporate world as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I probably most pertinent Deke, to to your listeners is first of all, if you know, the submarine way is a pretty interesting name for a company. So I'm I'm the submarine guy. Uh, I, sp- I spent uh, 20 years in the Navy, retired as a command master chief. Um, this is 
obviously for your listeners and viewers, because you know all this. Uh, <laughs> so most of that time on submarines. Yeah. And then uh, after that, I, I did corporate. I did CBS television, natural progression, navigate submarines, go sell television <laughs> at CBS. You know, everybody does it. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, and I, I was shocked, Deke, at how poorly leadership was done. Um, it's yeah. been the years they can't sue me anymore. But I mean, it was just done very badly. It was like jump in the seat and hopefully it works out. And I wasn't used to that from the submarine force where there's a real concern, huge inclusion, huge preparation, huge professional development at every level. And I was very surprised to, uh, to see that. So I'm a, uh, Deb and I are both massive believers in talent. Yeah. We're not taught that. We're taught work on your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses. Well, we say stabilize your weaknesses and work on what you're good at. Yep. That's how you get great. Well, that's how the submarine force worked. It wasn't how things worked in corporate. It was, you know, everybody's got to be well-rounded. You got to do all these things well. So I left uh, and started a sort of a talent-based, very tiny company, our first uh, entrepreneurial uh, venture. And it got popular enough, so to speak, that the Gallup organization, because we use Clifton Strengths, back then it was called Strength Finders. I, we got on their radar and they actually came and said, hey, you know, we want to buy your brain. And when you're a geek like I am with human behavior and talent. <laughs> you are when, not a geek. When, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> when it comes so to that I. stuff, uh, when Gallup comes calling and says, can we buy your brain? You say, hey, I'd love to have my brain bought. Yeah. So I went and I did, I did that. And actually was loving that career. And Deb wrote the book. The book blew up. She started uh, the second rendition of the company. And I, I left and joined her. So those are sort of the most pertinent pieces yeah. of what we do. And, and I think along the way, we sort of reinvented how people look at equity and inclusion and diversity because we have a very different view of it than I think. Well, no, I know we have a different view than the traditional view, so to speak. Not saying it's better or worse, but it is very different. Well, it's interesting. And you and I have had these conversations. But so, Deb, you were with ADP, Automatic Data Processing. So my first year in office... In 2006, that was the first big economic d development deal that I worked on. But ADP, in the first meeting with them in Atlanta, talked about their commitment to diversity and inclusion. And so knowing that we had a diverse labor force in Augusta, I helped me sell them on that because they got it. And once the facility opened, you know, diversity and inclusion, or some people think that it's just diversity is black and white. I mean, I, we see that a lot, and it's not. But you could go to their facility, and you've got people with disabilities. You've got people from all walks of life, and it's truly ADP was a great example of what diversity was all about. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, and, you know, that's where I got a lot of experience with building diversity and inclusion programs or evolving them into something more than, uh, you know, one of my big objections is always uh, diversity and inclusion is more than a calendar. Yeah. You know, it's more than February <laughs> is Black yeah. American History Month. Yeah. It's, it's much more than that. And so, um, you know, helping to evolve those programs to be more thoughtful yeah. about, you know, appreciating people of, of all types. Um, a, as you mentioned a moment ago, you know, people with disabilities, there's, there's talent out there. Yeah. And if you can look beyond what's on the surface to the talent that's underneath yeah. you can really drive inclusion a lot more effectively. You know, that, and we've all talked politics a lot, but that's always been one of the things that's kind of driven me crazy about politics, but it is what it is. It's not, advancement is not necessarily based on talent or merit. 
And it's kind of like who you know. And I see people appointed to certain positions, and it's kind of like, well, that person, you know, there's no basis for them to get what's basically, you know, um, lift up on the ladder. It's just based on who you know or who, who, whose butt you've kissed. To be perfectly honest, and that's that's we've talked about what what you guys are doing. It's to embrace diversity and inclusion and talent. Go with the talent model. It adds to the bottom line, and that's what you guys. It's not like this is just a touchy feely thing. It's it's real, and it helps to increase your business and the bottom line. Yeah, Yeah, there's definitely a science behind it. Um, You could talk about this in more detail, but we've taken a program that's really common. It's called Nine Box. And it's a succession planning uh, program that organizations use to choose their high potentials and then what to do, how to develop those high potentials. Well, we've made it more Mm talent-based, not just performance-based. And so we've introduced that to organizations to help them select the right people. Um, In fact, one community that we went into, uh, they thought they were going to have to hire from the outside when they had a lot of their first-tier leaders leave the Mm -hmm. organization. And we were able to identify through Ninebox people all the way down into their organization yeah. that could move up, who could get promoted and have professional development. And they had to hire really the bottom level of people, but they had the right people. They just didn't recognize the talent that was there. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure you yeah, well, the, the fundamental principle that's gone on forever, Deke, is, hey, I'll just use sales from CBS because that's what I did. Um, hey, you're a great salesperson. So therefore, if you're a high-performing salesperson, you'll be a high-performing manager. Train wreck. Yeah. Because totally different talent sets. Sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't work because you're looking at per- current performance first and then potential, but you really haven't identified what the talent sets are needed for the potential. Yep. Well, if you flip that and you say, does the person have the talent for management? What we have found consistently is typically your moderate performers, individual contributors, make the best managers. Mm-hmm. Just a general rule. Um, we're both sports guys. You know, if you look at, like, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson was in the NBA, so he wasn't a terrible basketball player, but he came in when the game was pretty much over. Yeah. Um, same thing with Joe Torre. Joe Torre played first base. It's pretty good, but, again, not that great. But look at them as managers. Yeah. So their talent was really lay, laid with, with management. So if you flip the model and you say, do they have the talent for the next position, whether that's horizontally or vertically, you're going to get a much better product. Um, the other thing that people miss all the time is the first question about vertical, you know, somebody being mm-hmm. promoted, that most organizations miss is how about asking the person and see if they're even interested? Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people just love doing what they're doing and you need those people. Yeah. But if you go... Everybody should be thinking about moving up. So, so they kind of say yes, but yeah. they don't really mean yes. So. Yeah. We've had lots of discussions about this. and I'm, I share with people a lot that committees are cul-de-sacs where good ideas go to die. And I focus on... <laughs> on yeah, we, we have had that conversation. <laughs> yes, but I, I want to focus on building teams because it's as you reference sports. Teams are based on skill sets. Yep. So, you know, you a point guard is not a power forward. You know, right. everybody sort of knows their role on the team. But that's what I see, and I'll get back into it's. I see that with a lot of different boards of directors where mm. we locally, and I'm sure in other places, you sort of retread the same names. You know, when there's a huge talent pool out there. But I've shared with people that 
just because somebody make, can make every board meeting does <laughs> not make them a good board member. Mm. You know, and but I, I, I think still we've all discovered that. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> but just that here again get, gets into the heart of what you're saying. Build your teams based on talent. That is yep. the for our listeners. These guys are phenomenal at advising on this. And that that's the way to build. I mean, I think one of the biggest marks of a good leader is not to know what you know, but to know what you don't know and mm. surround yourself with people that make up for your weaknesses. As you right. said, Absolutely. we've each got so our own true. talents. Yep. Very, very true. Yeah, it, it's actually it's actually one of the, one of the most important premises is um, I don't need expertise in a lot of areas. I need expertise in what I have talent in, mm-hmm. and then I just need to know your phone number. Yeah, you surround yourself with people that have ex- that have expertise and talent that complement yours, which is not how we're raised. We're raised to be well rounded, to be good at everything, to be, yeah. and all you wind up is a lot of mediocrity. Yep. As opposed to being pointy and then just surrounding yourself with other people. You you said one other thing that I wanted to pick up on, Deke, when you used the word role. Thank you for that, by the way, because <laughs> uh, it's a great set. Uh, people use job and role interchangeably and they're yeah. not the same yeah. a job is you come in you sit at a desk and you answer the phone why because you come very task very tactical a role is why are you answering the phone yep you're the first person to set the to set the stage you're the first person that that person calling in is going to have an experience with when you when you position things as what is the result i need as opposed to what is the activity activity is a job role is a result yeah then people start thinking then people yeah. start innovating. Then people start saying, well, how, how can I be better on the phone as opposed to answer the phone? Yeah. So I love the fact that you said role because it's so different than job. Well, It's kind of interesting. We were just reading an article this morning that said that millennials, those people born mm. 1989 and, and after, are the most disengaged group um, ever. I think the engagement for millennials was what, 31%? It was 31%. 31%. So extremely low. And that their comment is that in the corporate world, they come in and they do what they need to do to get by, but they don't actually have a true commitment to um, the organization. And I think that doesn't speak so much to a generation as it does to how we don't spend time motivating and developing people's performance and mm-hmm. talent. And that if there was more effort to um, to really build that talent yeah. and to do professional development, there would be more engagement. And in fact, that group, there's also a statistic, and you're, I'm sure you remember this better than I do, <laughs> but- um, Geek. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a statistic around um, the fact that they need professional development to feel more satisfied yep. in their jobs more than any other group as yeah. well. And, and there are some companies that are doing it right. And I, I recently had um, Gordon Lawson, the CEO of Conceal, mm. um, international cybersecurity company that's headquartered here in Augusta. But their workforce, so many of them are you know in their 20s. And they have very strong work ethics. And I think so often people are like, well, millennials or Generation Z, they don't want to work. And I'm like, you're just, you're not looking at the entire picture. There are hard workers in every generation. Yeah, absolutely. It's very interesting when I talk, when we we do either a keynote or, or some other work. It's funny that, you know, when you talk to folks that are, you know, in their 60s, they talk about those darn young people. Yeah. They have no work ethic. 
They just, you know, they're just there for a paycheck. Uh, and I said, you do know 30 years ago, they said the same thing about you. Exactly. And 30, uh, I, I, I don't know if it was Socrates or Aristotle, but it, it doesn't matter, but a long time ago. And what they said was, I weep for the future. They do not stand when I walk in the room. They do not, you know, they drink from their wine before I do. Well, they've been saying this about it young was, people It was forever. Socrates. Was it Socrates? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I... It's just not true. They no. need to be challenged. They need, they need to be appreciated. They need to be valued. And they need to be talent-based. And, and then they get engaged. It's and not automatic. they need automatic. professional development right. more than any other group. Yeah, but, it, but it's... Yeah, it's easier point. sometimes, yeah. I think, to just stereotype. Yep. Sure. And it's like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm typical example I would use. I had Jason Brown, James Brown's grandson, on recently, but I. So most people don't know that James Brown was a conservative Republican yeah. who endorsed Richard Nixon in 1972. Mm-hmm. But I think people would assume, you know, he's a black entertainer. Entertainer. He's going to be a liberal Democrat. But I think we've, we've got to be willing to have those conversations and engage each other to move beyond those stereotypes. That's, that makes for more successful businesses, more successful communities, just more success in general. But I know and it's... leads to inclusion. And leads to inclusion. But, but here again, it's, it's, uh, I was telling Wycliffe Gordon the other day that somebody asked me, you know, what, if Augusta was a food, what would it be? And I said it would be a gumbo. Because everybody knows that gumbo wouldn't taste as good if, if it was only one ingredient. But I think that's mm. to get to a point to, you know, not feel like somebody else is the other, but having those face-to-face conversations and engaging them, it's like, okay, this generation is not so different than my generation, right. and, but you have to be willing to engage. And that's what, I mean, the work that you guys are doing with companies is amazing and it should be applauded. Well, thank you. It's us and them, Right. And, and when we talk about us and them, it's we call it the virtual or the face-to-face cup of coffee, which is just another yep. way to say the same thing. When you have us and them, you have this group going, well, they don't understand. They are lazy. They are not. Anytime you have us and they, what's really fascinating, you know this, Deke, what's really fascinating is when you take us and them and you put them next to each other and they start talking, they go, wow, you have a house, I have a house. You have an apartment, I have an apartment. You have children, I have children. Yeah. You've got challenges, I've got. All of a sudden, people realize we're not that different. Yeah. But if you stay in your camp and your echo chamber and yeah. only listen to the people in the echo chamber, it's always us and them. Yeah. And right, I'm getting a little preachy, but you no, know what? No, no. <laughs> but I've always said that. I'm like, there is no us and them, it's all us. Right. I mean, if we look at it that way and the rising tide lifts everybody. So we're, we're all in this together, but I've regularly shared with people that I don't see, see society as being as divided as most people might because I really don't view it through a media lens. I'm out there interacting with your average man or woman on the street daily, and it's like I can't really find extremists. But granted, I'm not going to where probably extremists <laughs> hang out or they're not the regular crowd. But, but I just I was talking to somebody about it the other day. I, I feel like we've got a nation. I spoke to a um, gentleman who's retired military this morning who does trips with um, military former military members to Washington every year. Mm. And I said, I don't think we're as divided. He said, I'm taking 50 people to Washington to the anniversary of the wall. And he said, and this was just this morning, he said, it's equally divided Democrats and Republicans. 
and every, and it's you know diverse outside of that. But he said everybody gets along, you know, and so that's it's it's important for us to appreciate each other. But here again, if we don't engage, that can't happen. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Right. Well, but. So, so being, um, I would love, one of the things that you said to me, John, that's very poignant is that submarine crews, you were on a nuclear submarine, correct? Correct. The, the age of the guys <laughs> on that and that we've, with a group of basically 20 somethings, correct? Oh yeah. yeah early twenties. Run, running a nuclear submarine. We've never had an accident. Right. We've, we've had accidents as far as like running into things, with them, but yeah. there's never been a nuclear accident on a submarine yeah. since the Nautilus launched in whatever, 1954. Never, the, never an average there. of high school education. Yeah, yeah. 80% yeah. only have an high school education. Yeah. And that, that sort of underscores our point. Okay, you know, the, they're still 20-something-year-olds, as you were. Those kids aren't lazy, and they, you know, they do a good job. They've got a certain yeah. talent level to do that, but... That, I think that disproves the theory that every generation that comes after us is lazier than we were. <laughs> right, yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. If you look at a Trident submarine, for your, your viewers and listeners, a Trident submarine is one that has the capability of, of carrying up to 24 uh, nuclear missiles. And, and somebody's going to call in or somebody's going to leave you a comment. Ah, I don't know what he's talking about. But, but I believe every Trident that goes to sea is the fifth most powerful nuclear nation in the world. Wow because of the multiple um, independent reentry vehicles and things like that, the fifth most powerful. And it's run, it's run by 22-year-olds with high school educations. Now, yeah. these are people that most, most companies wouldn't trust to do an inventory in a storeroom. Yep. They don't, they're not grown in, in Petri dishes. They're kids from Augusta. They're kids from wherever. It's the way they're developed, and it's talent-based, and it's lots of, to Deb's point, professional development. And it drives me nuts when we don't realize the potential of people. Yeah. Because as you know, if we think they're lazy, listless, boring, and not interested, strangely enough, they turn out to be listless, boring. I forgot all yeah. the stuff I used. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it, it, if we challenge people and develop people and respect people for what they bring to the table, not what they look like or not what they, it, it's amazing what people can do. Yep. No assumptions, show me what you got. Let me base it on talent. And actually, one of our favorite clients right now, the average age is probably, oh, would goodness. you say, 25? Yeah, yeah, 25. And those are the directors. Those yeah. are the senior people. But they are incredibly engaged. Yeah. they. Uh, it's just exciting to spend time with them because you know you're going to get great questions. You're going to get great engagement. Um, you're going to get a lot of interest in learning more. Yeah. Um, whereas some of our clients, they're, they're, they're certainly engaged, but not, not this kind of level where they're, they're asking for coaching time. Yeah. They're, they're bringing problems to you to, to just run by you and have you give them some perspective, yeah. a different perspective on how to solve them. Well, and that's something to me, and I believe in cross-generational leadership. And I, I fundamentally believe, and that's kind of the point of this podcast on some levels, is that everybody's got something to teach us. Yeah. So I've had people from all walks of life, from around the world. It's just been a very diverse group. But but I'm hoping that, that listeners and viewers learn takeaways and get something out of every show because that's what I want. I'm 54 years old, but I realize that I, I want to learn now more than ever. And I realize that 
I've got so much to learn, but I think that's, if you get to a point in your life where you're kind of stagnant and you think I know it all, I mean, to me, that's, you may as well give it up. That's boring. Yeah, (laughs) right. Well, let's talk a little bit about surfacing inclusive leadership. Y'all's latest success (laughs) story, your, your podcast that's, that's killing it. Yeah, it was, it was Deb's, Deb's genius. Uh, uh, if for, for, for your viewers and listeners, Deb is the writer. She writes all our curriculum. She writes all of our speeches. And I'm sort of the talking head, as people are probably figuring out. You know, Deb is quiet. You're, you're her muse. I'm her muse. <laughs> Why are you muse? I'm amusing. I don't know. Well, at least I think I'm funny. Um, but, but surfacing inclusive leadership, we just wanted to find a niche where we give people real tools that they can actually use with a little bit of humor, a little bit of sub story and things like that. But I think the niche we found is Deb ties it to current events. Um, Three weeks ago, we talked about um, authoritarian leaders. Everybody's thinking we're talking Putin and things like, no, no, we didn't. We talked about uh, authoritarian leaders. We talked about Bill Gates. We talked about Martin Luther King. Uh, We talked about JFK. Now, most people are like, Martin Luther King, but think of it. He had a vision. He wasn't going to compromise. He, yeah. If you were either on board or you weren't on board, he was an authoritarian leader, but he had to be because yeah. people who have a vision, people who believe that what they're doing is going to make a difference, you're with me or you're not, which is pure authoritarian. Yeah. So Deb takes a, either a current event or people that we look at differently and turns it into leadership lessons because you say authoritarian, everybody would go, no, uh, yeah, bad. Well, it depends on the circumstance. In a startup, authoritarian leadership is actually pretty effective. Yeah. Because you can't just go, hey, raise your hand if you're on, you know, so, and then you, you then you, maybe you transition. So I think the success, Deke, is that Deb writes material based on what is a current event and how North Korea relates to how you run your small company. Yeah. And and there are parallels. So oh, yeah. It's, it's, I give credit to Deb and maybe I had a funny story or two. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it takes, it takes two, right? It takes, it us. takes your talent, takes us. your facilitation yep, talent. talent, and it takes my writing and producing talent. And together it's been a lot of fun. And, and for our listeners and viewers, I did not start at the outset by saying you guys are married. <laughs> we are. That's right. Even to each other. Even, <laughs> even to each other. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's a, a, I would say it's not, it's unusual in the fact, I think my wife, Melissa and I work well together. We, you know, it's not a formal business arrangement, but it's, it's always good when a husband and wife can have a good working relationship. And there are a lot of husbands and wives out there that don't want to have anything to do with working with each other, but it works for you guys. It does. I, I think we had to get used to it at first. We've been doing it now off and on since 2014. Um, so we had to get used to it. We had to have our roles. I think we were at first, we were bumping into each other all the time on our roles. And now we've kind of, it's talent based, you know, he, he does what he's best at. I make sure that he does what he's best at and I do what I'm best at. And then we complement each other, but we also have a lot of mutual respect. Yeah. So if I have a problem that I feel like he's the best person to help me solve that problem, then he's the person I go to. And I, I think it's vice versa too. Oh, it is. I mean, even in a small company, Deke, uh, you know, somebody's got to ultimately be in charge. We have, we have an expression, everybody should have a voice, but at the end, some, just one person has, has the vote. 
Uh, and Deb has the vote. I, I make the joke, it's 52-48. But Deb's the president of the company. Yeah. And we butt heads on topics, and we butt heads on how to deliver things. But at the end of the day, Deb says this is the way. And she's right. She's a strategic thinker. I'm a tactical guy. Yeah. I'm a delivery guy, but I don't necessarily look down the road very well. So if you respect each other's talents, you're still going to have disagreements. But if you stay in your talent lane, yeah. you'll complement each other. If, if I were to embarrass myself and try to write something better than Deb, it might be fun to read all the misspellings yeah. and all the run-on sentences and all of that, but it wouldn't be interesting. And and Deb is a good speaker, but to be frank, she's not me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what. And I'm, I'm gonna, fine with him saying. Can that. we just That's stay fine. here all day? Because I really don't want to get in the car after this. After <laughs> I was a little bit too spontaneous, but 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 it's true. I mean that that's that's a that's a gift from God. I mean, yeah. I was I was born to be on stage in front of a microphone. Yeah, uh, most people are terrified of public speaking. You're very good on stage in front of a microphone. But if I were to say, hey, let's just swap for fun. It might be it fun. Wouldn't be it wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't be fun. No, well, I mean, and, and so as we discussed, sort of touching on the authoritarian leadership, every ship needs a captain. Yep. And you've only got one captain. And I, I my father-in-law had a saying that um, with regards to marriages, the king is the king till the queen gets home. And that, that might be pretty accurate, but, but it's funny you talk about speaking. So I grew up painfully shy mm. and I'm totally comfortable in front of a microphone here or speaking in front of thousands of people. My wife, Melissa, who you guys know, she never met a stranger and is so gregarious. You put a microphone in front of her, she turns green. So yeah. it, it's here again, we each have our skill sets, but that's, you've developed a strong working team within your own household because you kind of know your lanes and you know what you're good at. So that's, that's sort of, you know, you can share that message with businesses you work and, with. And too. we do, we, we model, there's no hypocrisy. We model in, in our own company, what we help other companies yep. do. Um, well, it's kind of funny how quickly our clients can identify that. Um, we have a client who says, I, I know that's Debs. I know, but I was going <laughs> to ask you what you think about such and such, but I know that that's Debs yeah. kind of role. So they understand sort of what we do and what we what we deliver for them and what they can expect from us, yeah. kind of naturally. But both of you, it's interesting. Both of you grew up shy and yep. and yeah. love public speaking. So there must be something about how you overcome shyness. You know, I I've read that there are a lot of performers that are the same way. That they maybe it's because I don't know that you're in complete control of the situation when you get, you're not really having to talk with the crowd. You're the one that's talking directly to the crowd, but you're not making small talk. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. It's actually fascinating because, you know, no one would say that John Vincent is a shy guy. I was horribly shy yeah. from Me kindergarten too. through high school. I mean, I think my mom, just turned 99. I think my mom probably still has my high school yearbook and everybody, you know, doing this, doing that, doing that. And with me, it was a picture where I wasn't looking at the camera. And, it, and I think the caption said, I, I think we went, to, I think he went to school here. I mean, I was invisible. <laughs> I was, I just was so shy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, Deke, maybe, maybe there's something about that microphone and that audience where I feel that I'm just trying to deliver a message and I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm connected yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm well, I, I will tell you this in, in doing self-reflection. I think the reason why I've always been such an inclusive leader was growing up shy, you knew what it was like to feel like an outsider. Mm -hmm. you, whether or not you were one, and I'm like, the kids, I mean, 
kids always gravitated toward me, but maybe that was my shyness or, or something. But but I do think that makes you a more inclusive leader if you know what it's like to feel like you're, I mean, not included. So j- just something to chew on. I think you got a point. Yeah. Well, guys, as we get towards the end now, there's always, first off, where can people find you guys? Everywhere. I mean, you can Google either one of our names. You're omniscient? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means. What does omniscient mean? (laughs) We're not omniscient. Let's put it that way. Is that like omnipresent? Um, But the Submarine Way, if you Google the Submarine Way, that's our website. But there's also a lot of other information there. There's our books there. If you Google that, Google either one of our names, you can find us. Um, so those are really the two primary paths, but we're very, very easy to find. You can find us on LinkedIn. We both have, um, individual Facebook pages and our, uh, Facebook page for the business is called, uh, the submarine way crew page. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's an invite kind of a Facebook page where people would ask to join and then you can sort of follow leadership tips Mm -hmm. and, uh, stories about submarines. Uh, w- one of the th- interesting things that we found is that everyone seems to be interested in stories about submarines. Huh. So we we always include those in our podcast. We include those, obviously, in our many, many of them in our books, um, but also in our training, too, because people are interested in highly unique leadership situations that um, – that are in an environment that they're so unfamiliar with, which yeah. most people are with, with submarines. So how to find us. Yeah. No, I, you hit it. I mean, literally we're, we're everywhere. I mean, if you, if you type in either one of our names, we're probably the first page and a half on Google and the same thing with the submarine um, uh, we are very easy to find. We're, we're all, we're, we're pretty voracious on our social media. Deb yeah. posts, incessantly and she posts good material not promotional stuff not where wonderful stuff but real material i try to make my posts on our company page on linkedin uh all about tips and tools yeah. be very consistent with the way we're going to do business yep. it's the same stuff we we give away a lot of in- intellectual property because at the end of the day we're pretty altruistic people yeah and you can make a living and you know being altruistic you don't have to start with the dollar you can start with how do we help yeah and the dollars come. I mean, you know, it sounds silly, but it's a business model. And Deb's perfected a lot of strategic parts of that. So we're available almost anywhere. John Gregory Vincent or, or Deb Cake Fortin. Um, did Dee say we were married? I we did. To yeah. each other? Yes. To okay. each other. Yeah. It's a fact. <laughs> so, so as we get to the end, I always like to ask my guests this question to both of you. What on a daily basis puts a smile on your face and brings joy to your heart? Mm. Helping people for me. <coughs> and there's a lot of different ways you can help people, but whether it's my family or a client, it's really, um, it's really helping people. So, yeah, I, I think when you're in the public eye and I'm, you can relate to this mayor speaker, uh, <laughs> but there's a lot more people that hear you then you really interact interact yeah. with and you don't know um a, a brief story i think it was linkedin a young lady no longer a young lady reached out to me and said you have no idea who i am when you were the command master chief at Corey station in pensacola i you know had been around for a while i was re-enlisting you came to my re-enlistment ceremony and you took me to the mess hall and you bought me lunch and she had a picture uh, I, 
I don't know where she, but it was a picture of her and I after lunch, you know, just, just standing yeah. next to each other. There's thousands of those stories. When one of those surfaces, yep. I have to, I, it's so gratifying because you know, for every one of those, there's maybe another 500 or a thousand people. Yeah. And it was just kind of a random act of kindness. Yep. I mean, I have no <clears throat> recollection of this. But, it meant but so much to, to her, her. Yeah. 20 years later, is still a highlight. Lunch. At a, we probably had chili and a rotted sandwich. <laughs> um, but the fact that I went to her reenlistment as the command master chief with a billion things to do all over the country, and I went to lunch. So I like when I find out, not from my own, gee, John, you're wonderful, but to know that what you're doing, it's really a, a, another way of saying what Deb says. When you find out that you actually help somebody, yeah, I don't know of a better feeling. Yep. So I'm completely agree but but you know i'm surprised that nobody has answered that question with puppies <laughs> you know oh okay there's i'm still there's, waiting on that there's yeah. miley, miley and rufus who <laughs> will you, yell at us when we get home here after this well but, you uh, guys have been awesome guests thank you so much for joining me uh, thanks for having I look us. forward to having you back oh uh, good to be here man thanks uh, that's all we got today dropping the mic and we are out <laughs>